as we prayed, Holy Spirit, lead us in this word this morning as we continue on in our series to expand our baseline faith, Father, to expand the realm of our knowledge and wisdom of it. And Lord, to set building blocks in the foundation and to continue to grow with that. And we thank you that that becomes a safety net unto us, Father. Be blessed, O Lord. Holy Spirit, lead us even as we draw upon you and speak about you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. I wrote to you this week that with God all things are possible. Amen. And secondly, that this is a springboard to victorious living. A springboard is something that you gain momentum. You go farther and faster and higher than you could do off of your own capacity. You need something to get a jump start, to get further out. We notice that when people dive, they what? They, they get their legs down, they go up, they spring. Everything that we do that we want to gain some momentum on in our physical realm with our legs, we spring forth. And even when we walk, every step is, if you will, a step, a spring. You can't take a step in front of a step unless you spring off of one foot to the next foot, albeit sometimes those are only a half inch off the ground, sometimes they're further. But in this instance, we understand that that knowledge, that understanding deep in our spirit, that practical way of spiritual living, that with God all things are possible, is a springboard to victorious life. And so that's what I want to do this morning. I've prayed for the Holy Spirit to help me, to help us, to gasp that revelation. And when we grasp it, that not only will we see it, but that we'll hold on to it and then put it in action in every facet of our lives, not just putting it in our pocket and holding on to it, but living with it in every moment and every day. I wrote this, that you are spiritually wired to construct limitless faith in God as a foundation of inspirational hope deep within your being so that when one apprehends that they can do all things through God, then that person can operate with limitless faith. That's what we want. We want to take the limits off today. We want to identify them. We want to stare them straight and cold in the mirror, and we want to say no more because of the limitless God who does not want us to have any limits. Now, one of the inspirations comes out of the Word of God, and that obviously is in Matthew, and it's also in Mark 20, uh, 20, 10, 23, but I'm reading out of Matthew 19, 23 through 26, if we would please. Matthew 19, 23 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I again say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were astonished. And they asked him, who then can be saved? Quite a, an interesting twist. And Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men... This is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now, that in itself is a sermon, and I don't want to break that all down. Just bring a few things to your awareness. One of my desires 
I think it's one of my gifts. I know it's one of my disciplines, is to try to train myself and people how to look into the Word, not just at the Word. How to go beyond the concept of the statement and to look at all of the little treasures that are embedded in it. In this particular one, when Jesus says assuredly, that can be transferred in the, in the Amplified Bible to say, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that he says, and he's not saying that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. What he's guaranteeing is that with God, all things are possible. Now, notice what the disciples' reaction was when he made this analogy uh, that, it's, it's, uh, that seems impossible, you know, threading the eye of a needle with a camel. We understand, and you've heard before, that's about going through the gate into Jerusalem and a camel having to bend its legs to get in, etc., etc. But that's how we interpret it, and that was the analogy that he was using. But notice how they reacted to it. What they reacted to it was, who then can be saved? Well, I don't know that he was looking at a whole bunch of rich disciples, but apparently they must have felt they were rich because they said, who then could be saved? One of the things we understand from that is what? That, that wealth is relevant. Wealth is relevant to who you are in the place you are and what you have. The poorest person in this country that can have a meal once a day is much wealthier than a great margin of the world that is starving and is in famine. The person that can put a roof over their head every day does much better than a great portion of this world that has to struggle every day just to find a place of refuge. And so we understand that the, 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 the perception is always relevant. And the concept of which, uh, what was rich was very transparent in that moment. So they didn't say, well, how can a rich man be saved? They said, well, then who can be saved? Because they were recognizing that they were blessed. They were blessed in the place that they were at. And Jesus meant it for far more than to be an incrimination of rich wealth as we would perceive it today. Isn't it interesting that, I don't know uh, what generation you're relating to here or that's watching, but but wealth has always been relevant, even in this country, in the past century and into this century, on how the reaction was to the economic stress at the time. If you were able to make 10 or 20 cents a day during the Depression, you were considered to be blessed. The Depression of, of the 30s, the Great Depression, as we call it. That was enough money to just scramble to, to make it another day. And you might have lost everything, but you were doing better than some others were doing. And then we see post-World War II that a whole new definition of wealth came out with the, the baby boomer generation. And, and if you could somehow begin to establish to have a home or a car, that was considered very wealthy. And then we understand that there was this, this, this onslaught of what we called millionaires, people that could say they had a million dollars worth of assets, whether it was true or not, and our minds were boggled, and we thought that was phenomenal. And today, a million dollars, they're saying, isn't enough for you to retire on if you retire too easy and you need health care. You're not going to make it. Isn't that amazing? And now, we're looking not only at billionaires, but at trillionaires. And so it's always relevant, isn't it? So who can't be saved? The person that made 10 cents a day? The person that was able to buy a car? The person who 
thought they were a millionaire or the billionaire or the trillionaire. Who's not worthy of being saved? But God, Jesus says, with God all things are possible. I stretch that understanding so that we can understand that Jesus was going to the farthest end, the most dramatic side he could go to, because what they understood was coming from that culture and coming from a Jewish faith that had lost its passion for God and giving, that they understood that almost nobody could be saved because generosity, humility, and charity were lacking. That is the, the antioxidant, if you will, to what is required in order to say that my spirit is poor. He's talking about the spirit. The rich spirit, not rich in God, rich in self, is the one that has a hard time getting into heaven. The value of what you have or doesn't have isn't what God measures. He measures what we do with what we have. And he measures with how we think about what we don't have. How many of us have made so many pledges to God, Lord, if you give me this, I'm going to do that. <laughs> right? I have a feeling that a few of you don't want to admit it, but you're playing the lottery, and in order to deal with your conscience, you've already said, but if I win, I'm going to give blink, blink, blink to God. And you think that's going to make a deal with you and God, and so that purpose you're going to win. And I know sometimes people ask me, Pastor, I'm playing the lottery. I don't know. Is it good or bad? And I say, I'm not going to judge you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you win, you need to give half of it to the church. And then after that, we'll talk about it. <laughs> then after that, we'll talk about it. So let's move forward. How many of you know what the motto is of the state of Ohio? Is what? Do you know how it happened? We were one of the only states. This state was actually named a state in 1803. It became a state out of the Northwest Territory. And um, there was a motto in Belmont County, not too far. And uh, it was a 10-year-old little boy named Jimmy Mastronardo. Nice Irish name, Mastronardo. And uh, it was in 1958. And... Jimmy had heard his mother say multiple times, son, all things are possible with God. He didn't understand it. He wasn't walking in great spiritual faith. He just heard that word released in his home, and he heard it taught into his spirit. It was grounded into him. Now, one would have thought that maybe Jimmy, as he got older, would have done something great with that, but he didn't wait. And so Jimmy, at 10 years old, reached out through his parents, to a state senator. And he told him, I've got petitions and I'm getting them signed. I've got 18,000 signatures now that say this should be the motto of the great state of Ohio because Ohio is without a motto. And that would be like having a pet without a name. What do you call it? Here, dog. Here, state. So it wanted a motto. And they tried and tried to have a motto multiple times, and it always failed. They could never get a consensus because the Lord was waiting for the right motto, and he used this little unseen hero, 10-year-old, apolitical, if you will, right? He didn't know one senator from another senator. He didn't care what a party was. He just knew what mama said, and he said that should be the motto. And he got that, and they asked him to come and to speak in front of the Senate state government, and he did so in February of 1959, 
And when he spoke, he said to him, I'm not really doing this on a religious basis. I, I, I'm doing it because my mama told me that with God, all things are possible. And that motto got approved. And don't you know, wouldn't you expect that not long before the turn of this century, there was a lawsuit that came from the Religious Liberties Group, and they wanted to turn it and stop it. But even the Supreme Court held up that it's not necessarily saying to somebody else's faith that their God or their faith is subverted. What it is saying is that with God, all things are possible. And to this day, it is held up. I find it unique that we live in a state where with God all things are possible. There's no such thing as an accident. And I find it unique that in the state capitol, underneath the state seal, that motto is there, with God all things are possible. The Lord says this, and I believe it. He says in the scriptures that wherever you invoke my name, in that place I shall be. And so I believe regardless of whatever anybody thinks is going in and out of that state capitol, the presence of the name of the Lord is in that house. And I believe that as Buckeyes, we understand <laughs> that that is the motto of this state. And we need to defend that. Not that it's being challenged right now, but I assure you it shall be. Because the enemies of God do not like the fact that his name is heralded up in praise in a political forum, do they? Now... I want to go to a teaching on, out of the book of Luke, chapter 1, starting in verse 30. Let me lay the groundwork. You know this one. It's about the Virgin Mary. Mary's a young teenage girl, and she's going to be wed to Joseph. And as you probably know, those are arranged weddings. In some parts of that world, they still are. And, and they're not ashamed to tell you that Pastor Anwar and his wife Nita, that was an arranged wedding from their parents. They didn't even hardly know each other. They, didn't, they weren't romantic, and here they are in ministry together. God put them together. That, was, that is and was the culture of that area and still persists many times. So this wasn't unusual. Joseph's family had somehow or another been connected with Mary's family, and there was going to be a pending wedding. God wanted there to be a wedding, but he had a different agenda. And what happens is that Mary is apparently doing whatever she's doing, and she gets interrupted by an angel. And the angel comes to her and startles her. And they have a discourse and a conversation. And let's pick it up in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 30. And then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One, that Holy One who is to be born, 
will be called the son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed. Let's go back to the very beginning again in verse 30, please. And I've underlined and capitalized some words that I want to break down. And in this basis, I want to bring emphasis to how God supernaturally brings forth and births miracle supernatural blessings inside of you and how you may not even be aware of what the full impact of that is. Even when the miracle itself manifests, sometimes we put bookends on it and say, oh, it's over. That's it. No, that's just the beginning. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. How many of you know that you are in a position of favor with God? If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are qualified, you are eligible, you have been inducted into that, that group that's called favor with God. And your favor isn't something that you earned or something that you can lose. The favor is because you believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of God and his righteousness, which brings all the fruits of righteousness and spirit to us, is imparted into you. That is called extreme favor with God. So Mary, God found her with favor. You found Jesus and have favor. And behold, listen to this one, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth. Now, of course, we know a son. But this is what she got. You will conceive in your womb and you will bring forth. Isn't it interesting that as we consider that and look upon it, let's give a thought about spiritual womb for a moment. I'd like to go to Romans 8, verse 16. How many of you don't mind if we use a lot of scripture? Is that okay? All right. I know you should be reading scripture, but I also know this may prompt you to even do so more in some of these areas. Spiritual womb. Let's talk about the spiritual womb. The word says the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Stop. The spirit himself bears witness with your spirit that we are the children of God. According to the law, the law that Jesus fulfilled, not that he voided, there must be a witness when something is happening between two entities that are coming to a covenant and a conclusion. There has to be a witness. And it's better to have the witness in two or three. Who is the Spirit? The Spirit represents the Godhead, the three in one. So you have the three, and now you have your Spirit. And there's a witness to that. And the witness has to be someone who's capable of never lying and having total truth in order for that covenant to stand with God and that covenant being that there is a union between your spirit and the spirit of God. There's a covenant. It's a covenant. You are in union. Yet no man separate what God has joined together, another law. So this spirit himself bears witness with your spirit the spirit of man, both male and female, that you are a child of God. 
Why is that important? Because it establishes the fact that now you are an heir of everything that God has. So there's a spiritual womb inside of you that the same spirit that brooded over the earth and the face of the earth in Genesis 1 is brooding right now inside of your spiritual womb. And here's the good news. He doesn't rest on the seventh day. He doesn't say creation is over. In fact, he has an assignment. And that assignment is that he's continuing to make you new every day as a new creation. You're a new creation that never stops, never stops growing, never stops creativity, never stops opportunity. The spigot to the abundance of God, and I'm feeling the Holy Spirit all over me. The, and it might be this fan too, but it feels good. The, the Spirit of God is continuously working in you and with you in tandem between your spirit and the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus said, you don't know women. They don't know how to worship, but you're going to know. You're going to know how to worship in spirit and in truth because he is the spirit of truth. And even when we aren't true in our physical realm, he's true in your womb, continuously working within that spiritual womb. And if we're children, then heirs, and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Now, I want to shoot to verse 22. And I want you to get this deep in your spirit. I've, I've shared this revelation before, but probably not with this depth and certainly not as a foundation of our baseline faith. For we know, for we know. I want you to right now say, Lord, I know. Even if you don't know, say, I know, I know, I know. Because we learned a few messages back in the series that the spirit of wisdom and knowledge comes from God Almighty. It's spiritual. It's not ontological. Ontological means it's something that you think of or that you've been taught and trained in your mind to have. It's not ontological, it's spiritual. If it was ontological, it could shift. You want a good example? Don't wear a mask, it won't make any difference. Wear a mask, you need to wear one. Wear two masks because one may not get it. Take the mask off. And now yesterday, the who came out and said, I think you should wear masks again. They're idiots. Because they're trying to think with science and science is changing. We think with the spirit of God and he's unchanging. And so it says, now let's tell you how that moves. Let's tell you how that moves. Get this, grasp this deep inside the spirit. Learn and, and be a witness of what's going on inside of yourself with the Spirit of God in your own spirit. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs until now. Have you ever heard somebody go into deep intercession? I remember the first time I heard it, I was with Helen Hunt. Some of you probably don't know her. If Jeannie was here, she'd know her. She was one of my first mentors and trainers. Taught me about moving in the spirit. Taught me what was going on with warfare. I was so confused. I didn't have a clue. I'd only been in the Lord a couple weeks and all hell broke out in warfare and I didn't know what to do and who to swing at. But I knew something wasn't right. And I sat down with her and she began to lay her hands on me and begin to pray and out of her innermost being came this I thought maybe the woman had gas. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know whether to back off. I was a little confused, but I then realized this was spiritual. 
And she imparted something deep into my spirit in that groaning and moaning that came out of her spirit. Sometimes the Lord will let us see something and hear something in the physical realm that is a manifestation of what's going on in the spiritual realm. But we don't want to just hold on to the physical because then we don't see the spiritual. That's why when God was showing and training you and bringing you up in the things of God, and you say, wow, that was, why doesn't he do that again with me? Because if he did it, he would program you. And you would become a formula faith. And your formula faith would say, if that's out of line, if that's out of sync, if that's not happening for me, just like it is. If I don't see the same bird going out of my driveway every day, something's wrong. No. The Lord only lets you see it maybe one time just to show you how it's going. And this whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs. This is the same word that's used in the Hebrew for the Holy Spirit brooding over the face of the earth. He's still brooding, not only over creation, but listen to this. Not only that, he says, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the first, that's you. Even we ourselves, we groan within ourselves. There's a birthing going on inside of you, and it's not one time. It's not just so that you become born again. It's so that you stay born again in that same process. It's a new creation birthing that's happening all the time because our God is new every morning. Do you know that I think if there was such a thing as, uh, as being able to have an ADD spirit, it would probably be, Lord, forgive me, I'm not being offensive, this is a compliment. I think it would be the Lord. The Lord gets bored. The Lord gets bored with ritual prayers. The Lord gets bored with faith that's stale. The Lord gets bored with us if we just sit in church and we go through the motions and we don't do anything else. The Lord gets bored with us if we don't grow. The Lord gets bored with us if we don't dare. The Lord gets bored with us if we don't erupt with praise and worship. God is forever moving. That's why Paul, when he was trying to explain to the philosophers the difference between the one they were trying to worship and the real God, he said, this is the one in whom we live and move and have our being. He's moving. He's moving. And he gets it in Romans and he says, there's a groaning going on inside the body. And even ourselves, we groan with ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we are saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what they see? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Stop. We must hope for what we don't see. You see, most of us have limits that we've put on God because we're hoping for the need, not for what we don't see. What I think I need most likely is not what the Lord knows I need. What I think I need is probably a band-aid on a bigger issue. What I think I need is just solving my desires and wants, but it's probably not taking me to the place of growth that he wants me to have. It's not becoming a building block in my foundation of baseline faith. But when we hope and eagerly wait for the things we don't see, we have a key that opens up the treasures to the mystery of heaven. How many of you can admit with me, I don't know if you've been in the Lord a day, a week, a month, a year, but how many of you can admit with me that as you've progressed, whatever level, wherever you're at in your faith with God, and by the way, fresh faith is the best faith. Hmm? 
I'll take, it's like fresh baby breath versus a 90-year-old person's stale breath. I'll take that baby breath anytime. We call it turtle breath. That's okay. Turtle breath, you put that baby on your lap. Ooh, so sweet. But man, you get around somebody who's been eating garlic all day and, you know, took the dentures out and stuff isn't quite working right. Woo! That's not sweet breath. Fresh faith is wonderful. Fresh faith that, that comes into people that come alive with God. It, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's addicting. You get around it. You want more of it. You say, oh, yes, keep going. Let me, let me have some of that. It's bright. It's our job to have fresh faith every day. God wants us to come to him with fresh faith. Coming to him without faith doesn't please God. And coming to him with rituals doesn't move God. You know, there are bowls in heaven that fill up prayers. There's treasures in heaven, right? Revelation 4, 11. There's bowls of prayers. The, saints of the, the prayers of the saints are put into bowls. I don't understand those bowls, but as I get a vision of them, he says at some point the angels tip them and the prayers come out. And that inside prayer, how about the prayer of agreement? If two or more agree here on earth and touching anything in heaven, it is done in my Father's name. I don't know about you, but I am so excited that the Holy Spirit is my prayer partner. I mean, I, I love praying with you, Bruce and Becky and, and Don, and I go through all the names. I love praying with y'all, but I have to be honest with you, I love praying with the Holy Spirit more. Because my words may not be the right words. Your words may not be the right words. Even though we're just praying, you can't go wrong. And we're tipping them into that bowl. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is praying and agreeing with us. He's in a covenant of prayer and agreement. And it's moving and moving in the name of Jesus. And he takes the prayer of two people here on earth. And he anoints it. And he takes the prayers of the saints. And he takes the prayers of your personal prayers with the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit presents them. And all of a sudden, whatever we ask in the name of Jesus, the Father who favors us with the spirit of righteousness, it's done. It's done. Ask what you shall in my name. It shall be done. The power of the words of creation. The powers of the same words that said, let there be, are the powers that are working inside of us with this groaning and this moaning that's going on inside of us. This perseverance. And then he goes on, likewise, this spirit, this spirit who's inside of us. Now, relevance, he's not talking about the Holy Spirit that some people always only get to the revelation of, oh, the Holy Spirit's in the house. Yes, the Holy Spirit's in the house, but the Holy Spirit's inside of your spiritual womb. He's working, creating, birthing. He's moving on those seeds that are already inside of each and every one of us. That little boy, Jimmy, who had a seed planted by his mother that with God all things are possible. Because of that little boy, I don't know if he became a preacher, I don't know anything about him since then, but I know we are still being blessed and the Holy Ghost is all over me because that birthing of that seed that was put inside of him by his mother, anointed by the Holy Ghost, became a praise and worship to God in the state capital of this state. Likewise, the spirit inside of you, inside of your spiritual womb, grasp it. Get it. He helps in our weaknesses. Oh, my Lord, come on. I don't know about you. You should be jumping out of your chair. He helps with our weaknesses. 
That's why Paul, oh, this is good revelation. Don't miss this one. That's why, that's why Paul can say, when I am weak, then I am strong because I'm in covenant with the Holy Spirit. And he's taking it and molding it and changing it, presenting it on the altar. In front of the Lord God Almighty. And that which came as human frailty and weakness has been transformed into the strength of God and blessing. Miracle power. Power to break open jails. Power to take nations and change people. Powers to pluck souls from hell. Power. Started off in a weakness. Lord, 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 I don't speak so good. Moses, you go to Pharaoh. Lord, Lord, kill me. I could kill somebody there. You have other people there better than me. Lord, 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 I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just a little Chinese pastor and can't fill Ohio. I can't go to Asia. Plan of work? Spirit inside says, yes. Now I can take this and present it on the throne room. And Jesus will put his name on it. He'll cover it with his blood. And the Father will release and I will be allowed to move with anointing inside of you. The Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Brother Bill, Brother Bill, do you know I was praying for you last night? When I saw you this morning, it was the groaning of the Holy Spirit. He must have been groaning in you and groaning in me. And I was praying. It was about a quarter to four in the morning. I was praying for people I hadn't seen. And your name and your face came before me. I said, Lord, bless Brother Bill. Bless Brother Bill. And then I said a selfish prayer. Lord, can you bring some of those people back I've been missing? And there's my brother sitting here today. What a blessing. What a blessing of what a blessing that the Holy Spirit is working inside of us for you and for me, for our fellowship. You know, fellowship in churches is very important. Fellowship online is, we have so many ways to fellowship, that's good. But the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is the best. You might be hundreds of miles apart from each other, but in the Holy Spirit, we can continue to connect and move mountains. Notice Jesus said, just speak the word. And if you do it, believe in God, you can speak to that mountain and listen to it, to throw itself into the sea. You got a problem? Speak to it. Don't doubt. In the name of Jesus, tell it to go throw itself into the sea. You see, we want to be the one. I rebuke you. I cast you out. You're gone. Those of you who've been in deliverance with me, you know what I tell those demons. You get out or I'm going to send you to the place you don't want to go. I'm going to cast you into that deepest hell. Or you can go where you want to go. Just get out of here and don't come back. They leave because they know that you know. They understand that you know. So let's go back. 
I can't leave without finishing in Luke. Let's go back to Luke 1.30. You will conceive in your womb and bring forth. Beloved, yes, this was Mary. Yes, this was the Son of God. You are conceiving in your womb and you shall bring forth. Ah, you didn't get it. You are conceiving in your womb and you shall bring forth. Stuff is going on. Things are happening. Don't change the channel. Stay focused in it. The Holy Spirit's got a mission. And his mission, oh, this is some more revelation. His mission is to take that which has been written in the Lamb's book of life for you, which is your life story, and to embed it and code it into the spirit that's inside of you, and to agitate it, come on, and to bring it forth. And to give it birth because it already exists. Hope for that which you haven't seen. I haven't seen the pages in that book of my life. But I'm hoping that they manifest inside of me. Lord, bring them from heaven to earth. Put them inside of this frail being. Anoint it with your Holy Spirit. Bring life unto it. Let it come forth with power. Let it come forth, Father, with anointing. Let it come forth, Lord, to glorify you. Do it, O Lord. You will conceive in your womb and bring forth. Do you know why I cut it off right there? Because as far as Mary gets with her response is that she's going to have a baby. She doesn't get the rest of it yet. Let's read it. You're going to bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Okay. Now, if he's, Lord's talking to you, you're a 13-year-old girl, right? You're naive. You're pure. You're a virgin. You really don't even know if you want to marry this guy you're going to marry. Your family set it up for you. And all of a sudden, an angel comes and tells you you're going to have a baby. You're not really wondering what kind of baby and who you're saying, a baby. I'm going to have a baby. The Lord's saying to you, you're going to have a miracle. What kind of miracle? I don't know, but I'm getting my miracle. I've been asking for this one. That's the one. Hey! Lord's got a lot bigger plan than that. Don't put a limit on the miracle of God in our lives. And you shall call his name Jesus. Next, next, next. Next next scripture. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Pew! Right over her head. He's going to be great. Mary said, I'm going to have a baby. He's going to be called the son of the highest. I don't even know. I don't have a husband. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. I don't know anything about thrones. I'm going to have a baby. Next. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, of his kingdom, there will be no end if she would have just got that one. The kingdom of God coming alive inside of her womb and there would be no end. Beloved, the kingdom of God is coming alive inside of your wombs and there shall be no end. Because he's a limitless, endless God who lives forever. He's the Alpha and the Omega. There's no beginning. There's no end. You have been created before the foundations of the earth. And he's removing and moving and getting along inside of your spirit. Bringing forth that which is as if it is not. 
right over her head. Kingdom, there will be no end, huh? I'm going to have a baby. Next. Then Mary said to the angel, how could this be? She didn't ask about Jesus. She didn't ask about the Son of God. She didn't ask about the kingdom of God coming forth out of her womb. How could I have a baby? I don't know a man. Well, cut her some slack. She's 13 years old. I get it. But you have the mind of Christ. Do we get it? Do we get the full story? Do we get the full plan? Do we have enough faith to look beyond the circumstance, even of the miracle, and to see beyond what God has? So much richer, so much greater, so much more wonderful, so much for His glory, so much potential that you have in all things. You could be the one who speaks to a little Jimmy it might be the only thing you do in all your life that has any merit. And you could say God could do all things and little Jimmy could go change the earth. And his testimony will be, I was in front of my friend and they told me this. I didn't get it, but I got it. And I've lived on it all my life. You know, one of the greatest testimonies that comes out of the hood with athletes, that many of them a single parent or a grand, grandmother, and they come out of the depths of poverty and nothing and they work hard it was somebody telling them you can achieve this if you just work at it we hear those stories all the time right the motto just do it beloved you could achieve anything that you have with a vision and a passion if you stay at it it's inside of you the holy spirit is moving it with you next verse and the angel answered and said to her now he's got to talk to her in language that she can grasp because the other stuff was too big for her. That other stuff was for you and I. That other stuff was for the first church. The other stuff was for the disciples. The other stuff is for the born-again creature that has the spirit of wisdom and knowledge inside working inside of us. Poor little Mary. She's just trying to figure out how she's going to handle this. What is she going to do? And the holy angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit. He will come upon you. Notice the angel came to her. The Holy Spirit didn't come to her. The angel came to her. Why? There are levels that release in our miracles. There's levels that release in our miracles. The first level was well before this angel showed up. Mary obviously had received the favor of God for some reason. Who knows what it was? Who knows if it was because she helped poor people? Who knows if it was because she respected her family? Who knows if it was because she wasn't a bully when other people were bullying other children? Who knows what it is that God respects with favor? We don't know that first chapter. But we know the second chapter. An angel came. An emissary of God. An ambassador of God. Do you know that every one of us has somebody that has layered some prayer behind us and for us. Every one of us. There's been an intercessor somewhere. Somebody somewhere somehow praying for someone that God has brought forth. I know one thing. When I get in that heavenly place, I, I want to see Jesus. And I want to see all the things I've asked God. But what I really want to do, I want to lay upon the bosom those who prayed me in the kingdom 
And I want to thank them. I want to thank them that they filled those bowls up in heaven so that that angel finally tipped the prayers and said, let's go get them. I want to thank them. An angel came to her. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The same words in Genesis 1. Going to brood over you. And it's active. The word is brooding. He's brooding over you. He's brooding over you. He's, it's the same word as breeding. It means to bring birth, to give birth, to breed, to breed with something. Let every kind bring forth its own kind, another revelation. The Holy Spirit is breeding over you. The Holy Spirit breeded over her to bring forth his own kind, Jesus. There was no seed of man. It was the Holy Spirit. There's no manly seed inside of you that can bring forth life. It's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is breeding over you with life eternal and power. Power from the Most High. And look what he says. He's going to come upon you. And the power of the highest overshadows you. The power of the highest. The Father. The Father. The Father. Father's Day. The source. The Father. Father from whom all blessings flow. The Father. The Father. The power of the Most High. The Father is brooding over you through the Holy Spirit. The Father, the Father, the Father as a child. The Father, the Father, the Father. He'll overshadow you. All the junk, all the fear, all the failure, all the rejection, all the abscesses of losses, denials. Fears overshadow them all. Because in him, there's no fear. In him, there's no sickness. In him, there's no defeat. In him, there's only victory. And that hope is the springboard to a victorious life. That hope that with God all things are possible because he's working in us, for us, around us, with us, going into our future, going back into our past, taking control and directing our steps in the present. He's the omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere God. He's omnipresent. And he's limitless. He's limitless. Therefore, the Holy One, the holy thing inside of you, the holy things inside of you, the things that come from heaven above that have never been tainted by the fingers and hands of flesh, flesh of other people in our own flesh, that limitless gift from God above. It has no limits. It doesn't know failure. It doesn't know condemnation. It doesn't know being sick. It doesn't know having restrictions. It doesn't know your past. It only cares about bringing to birth what's written in your book and to deposit it and to grow it inside of you and working in us to bring us into covenant those gifts of God. Therefore also that thing, that holy thing who's to be born inside of you. 
Finally, she gets it. Finally, she gets it. He's going to be the son of God. Finally, she gets it. Baby, Holy Spirit, power of the Most High, Son of God. What does she say? Next verse. Oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit, the, the angel tells her. You know your cousin Elizabeth couldn't have a baby. She got old. She's your older cousin. She's like too old for a child. Decided to bless her too. He doesn't know it. But he's going to be the one paving the way and making the way for the big blessing. The one that's coming. His name's going to be John. You don't know it. She doesn't know it. His father won't believe it. So I'll just shut his mouth for a while. But he's going to pave the way for the bigger miracle. One miracle to pave the way for another miracle. Do you know how many times God has had me pray for somebody for a big miracle? And then they'll look at me and I'll say, and just so you know that what I've said is true and is the word of God, when you, that, that abscess you had on your toe, it'll be gone in the morning. That was the little miracle. The big miracle was something much bigger. I remember once my wife and I, we were at a software conference in Las Vegas. We didn't like it. I didn't like it. She didn't like it. And we had to go from one place to another. And so we flagged down some limousine that dropped some other guy off, and literally that guy was paying for it. But the guy who dropped him off, he apparently wanted to make a few bucks on the side. Me coming from Youngstown, I knew how to work it. Flashed a little 20, said, you got a minute? Take us over here, drop us off, you get right back. He looked, got in, and wouldn't you know, God started. We weren't even out of the driveway in Caesar's Palace headed over to the conference. I said, sir, how long have you been out of jail? Why are you asking me that? I said, because the Lord just told me you just got out of jail. Mm. A little further. Why did you become a Muslim in jail? Stops the car. Why are you saying that? I said, because you did. And the Lord wants you to know he wants you back. Started driving again. Your mama's a Christian. She's been praying for you. The Lord wants you back. Looks at me again. How do you know all this? I said, Holy Spirit's telling me. Keeps going. I said, and just so you know how much the Lord loves you, that little girl you got home that has that club leg, God's going to straighten it out. She's going to be made whole. He almost went off the road. Because that's how much God loves you. The little miracle. Pretty big for that little girl, but not as big as that soul that was headed to hell. He would have raised that little girl as a Muslim. God intervened in the bloodline from the prayers of that mother who didn't let go of her son in prison. 
and sent some crazy, whacked-out Italian Jew <laughs> from Ohio who didn't care. There's a birthing going on inside of you. It'll never be over. It's this little miracle to that big miracle, that bigger miracle to this next miracle, that miracle to this miracle. Don't put limits on the limitless God. Yes, it's okay to say, Lord, I've got this ailment. Heal me. That's okay. That's good. But go beyond that. Get in covenant with the Holy Spirit for everything that He has for you. Do you know that some people have only found the Lord on their deathbed? Thank God they did. But it took till that moment. Darwin had to almost be dead to come to the conclusion that he had it wrong. I, can't, I could go through the names of people that recanted their lives on their deathbeds unto God. He was working inside, but they put limits on him. We are those who know him. We're born again. We're new creatures in Christ. Let's take all the limits off of God. All the limits off of God. Begin to expect and hope for far beyond those things that are evident far beyond the things that are prominent and reach further. You don't even have to know what you're reaching for, but just reach. Just put your hand out in holiness and in agreement with the Holy Spirit and allow the Lord to begin to pour into your open spirit and your open heart the blessings, the rich blessings He has in heaven. Some of them only you and He will know. Some of them the earth will know. It's up to God, the favor of God. Ralph, this is your season, son. You know it, I know it. Your wife, she's on board. This is your season, guys. I know I'm pushing you, I've been pushing you, I'm telling you publicly, this is your season. This is your season. The key's turned. You know it, I know it. Do it. Dom, you're yielding, but not enough, son. I love you. I'm going to push you. You've got so much inside of you. You've got a woman lining up with you. Get it all right and go for God. This is your season. This is your season. Some of us, we got some time left yet, but my heart won't be happy if I don't see the legacy fulfilled with those stepping in the shoes and the voids. Yeah, Mikhail, you know I'm looking at you. Get with it, girl. Do more. You notice I'm picking on a generation. Hmm? Those people in this house that know how to pray, that know the Lord, that are faithful, they're put here to help you all get to where you're supposed to go. That's one of our major calls. That's what we're called for. That's what I pray for every day. That's what I live for. It's my passion. It doesn't take a lot of giants to take over a nation. It just takes a few that are relentless.
For with God, nothing will be impossible. Finally this. Psalms 90, verse 2. Psalms 90, verse 2. I want to close with this, please. Before the mountains were born, it's translated here, brought forth. The Hebrew word is yalad. Before the mountains were yalad, Before you gave birth is the real words for ever you had formed the earth and the world. That word is chul in Hebrew. So the way it should read is before the mountains were born or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Lord, don't let us let go of this kind of faith. The kind of faith that we could speak to any mountain and tell it to go and throw itself in the sea. Don't let us let go of this revelation, this hope. Churn inside of us, Holy Spirit. Anytime you want, any place you desire, move inside of us. Take us. Capture us. Invade us. Present us in that heavenly place. Sweet, sweet Spirit of God, thank you that you're relentless. Thank you that you never let go. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name. I'd like to... Uh, collect an offering and as we're handing the envelopes out I just want to share this little bit about offering and tithe I don't often tithe is a physical manifestation of the spiritual planting, seeding, and harvesting. Somehow, just like communion, we take something that's in the form of a juice and a bread here on earth, but it transforms into the blood and body of Christ. We take a tithe and we offer it unto the kingdom of God, but by spirit it transforms into all of the offerings of God that he respects and wants, along with our praises. As we tithe to the Lord, we're not taking from something that's ours. We're giving him a portion of what is his. That's why 
he says, almost with a sad voice through Malachi. Yes, Malachi sounded a little stern, but I translate it differently. I take it as a relenting voice from the Lord. My people rob from me, and they don't even know how and why. They hold back their tithe from me. Why am I saying it? Because the tithes in this church have gone down two-thirds in the last two weeks. I'm not worried about money. I'm worried about you. And I'm worried about those of you online. Don't hold back from God. Somebody said to me, Pastor, do you think it's because people were getting subsidy checks and help from the government? I said, I sure hope not. So, this is from the Lord, not from me. You never hardly ever hear me talk about money. I don't, I'm not into the prosperity thing for the sake of that. But I am concerned about some of you. I don't know what's going on. And I have to say to you, don't hold back from God. Don't hold back from God. Because that will turn the faucet off from what God will do for you. We've all gone through our tithes. And I can tell you, by the grace of God, staying faithful to him for what he does stores up for what he'll do. I can tell you that with all my heart. God will do it. And God will bless you. I want to emphasize to you again, I lose no sleep at all about the finances for this church. If it made economical sense to do what we've done here, we would have never done it. <laughs> and if that's the extent of my faith, then I deserve to retire, which will never happen. I may go somewhere and be somewhere. Only the Lord knows what he'll do with us. But I can promise you it is never going to be because of economics by the grace of God. Beloved, I talk to you as a spiritual father. And I don't play that card very often either. Don't hold back from God. Don't challenge it with but. Don't challenge it with you don't understand. Don't challenge it with I got bills. Don't challenge it with I, 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 I. Don't hold back from God. Because it's not ours. We're just stewards of what he allows us to use and keep. Amen. I hope that wasn't harsh. I, 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 that's why I don't like dealing with that stuff. I really don't like dealing with that stuff. But I care about you. I'm responsible. And I have to answer to him. And you know, one of the hardest things for me has been, and it always probably will be, is to pray for someone to raise from the dead. Yet, I've participated three times in people raising from the dead. If I would have never prayed for someone to raise from the dead, they never would have raised. And all three I didn't know. The people I really wanted to see raised from the dead didn't raise up. It was hard. It was hard to see that hope glimmer in people's eyes. It was hard to feel the Holy Ghost and the power of God and not see the miracle 
But yet, sometimes we just do the things that are hard and believe God. And in that moment, when he tips the bowls in heaven, the blessings flow. So this, that's a hard one for me. I don't like it. Probably don't do it well. But I needed to know with the urgency in my spirit as I sat in here the other morning, the lights off and the music playing. First thing I do, I don't know about you, whenever I see things getting off the rail a little bit, I, I, I take accountability for God for myself. I don't say, Lord, who? I say, me. What am I doing? What aren't I doing? The only word I got, be a father. Be a father. Be a father. Amen. <sighs> Please, uh, next week, be faithful. Um, when Patty and I spoke, the Lord had already dropped something deep in her spirit, which I affirm it's good for this house. Be here. Support. I'd say support her, but Patty doesn't care if there's one or a hundred or two hundred. She's just like I am. She's going to bring the word of the Lord. But be here. It's a powerful woman of God, and God makes no mistakes. She's going to say and do and bring something that I can't. I already know that. We walk under the same umbrella, but we have diverse anointings. And that is the beauty of the body of the Christ. So we covet your prayers. I have a little bit of an assignment to do with TBN in Dallas. Then off we go to Austin for round two of our son's wedding in Abbey. And uh, I pray that the Lord gives me the right words for a whole bunch of strangers I don't know. Because you know I will have an altar call. And we will have communion. It's who I am. You get what comes when you ask for it. <laughs> and my car will be warmed up and ready to run out of Texas as fast as I need to. Thank you. I want to pray over the blessing. Father, thank you for the offering. Bless our people, your people, Lord. Bless those online. Father, forgive me for my shortcomings if I haven't taught enough or do enough, Lord. Help me to overcome those obstacles and hindrances that I have in myself, Lord. Bless your people, Father, in spite of me or anything else. Bless them richly in every regard, in all good things, Father. We give you this tithe as an offering. Let us be good stewards and bless the kingdom of God everywhere that we put our hands to. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Laura Lee, will you release us, please?